0: Only promote the truth. Here we go. be a very, very, very interesting training today. Let's see here. Some folks coming on and then we'll get rocking here. I've been Many people have been asking me and asking me and asking me for these trainings, on scriptural trainings, and I'm going to uh, help out. So we'll see how it, how it works out with the, everybody getting these scriptural trainings. So welcome, welcome. Good to see all the folks coming on. Let me get set up here. Let me get set up. Let me get set up. All right. All right. Sure I don't no. All right. Here we go. All right, are you, are you guys getting me all right? Is the sound coming in okay? No echo? Make sure I don't have any echo. Okay. That's good. That's good. Beautiful. All right, I just want to make sure I don't have any echo. Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're at in the world. All right. This is a deep training. <clears throat> okay, warning. This is a deep This is a deep training, so it's it's real it's a high probability that most people have never heard this trained this way. And there's so many great teachers and trainers and scholars in the world. I want to give them all their props. I just really believe That I have a message that is going to get down into the root of most people that are looking for higher level spiritual things. Are you one of those people that are looking for higher level spiritual training? Uh, If that's you, this is a great place to be today. It's a very, very important day. Very important day. One of the most important days of the year at the time of this recording. And so I want to really encourage you to be a person that's ready to receive. You know, there's so many different beliefs, there's so many different thought processes, so many people come to spirituality from so many different ways, and I respect everybody. I really, I really mean that, I respect everybody. All I wanna share with you is things that's led me up to my journey and that I will share with you now based upon the experiences of my 52 years at the time of this recording in this world. Now it's unique because I was born in 1968 and I grew up in a Baptist church and my granddaddy was a deacon, my great granddad was a deacon, and even for a while my dad was a deacon. And so I grew up in uh, that Southern Baptist thought process and teaching. Um, so went to church all the time, <laughs> many times, some of you guys that are from the South, you know what I'm talking about. As I got older, I began to ask more and more questions, and then I began to seek out <clears throat> really like my own thought process, and I started to ask questions about why are there so many denominations? If there's only one creator, again, believe what, believe what you want to believe or not want to believe, I personally believe there's one creator. So if there's one creator, how can we have hundreds, if not thousands, of denominations? So that started to really itch and, 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 and I struggled in my soul with that. So I went out and I started, you know, attending some different denominations to see what was the differences. And I would catch slight variances, <clears throat> variances in all these different denominations. And I'm like, this just can't be uh, the way it is. Why should there be any variation? If we got one scripture, what? how could it be? And so in 1992, after I had just completed uh, my fourth year of professional baseball, we won our second minor league championship. I won a stolen base championship again. I'm on my way to the major leagues. I, but most of all our team was, uh, those of you that know Bruce Bochy, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He retired last year with the San Francisco Giants. He was our manager with the Padres at that time. We all came up together. <clears throat> Almost everybody on that team went on to have major league careers. I was set to have a stellar major league career. I decided in 1992 to quit. <clears throat> I get a drink on that because that was a big one, right? I decided to quit. Freaked everybody out, all my family, because my hometown in Kentucky, I was the first professional athlete. I moved to Florida to finish my high school. My hometown in Florida, I was the first athlete to become a professional. So I was in the newspapers all the time. People were following me. And then, while I decided to quit, freaked everybody out. Why did I decide to quit? I decided to go on a deep spiritual journey. I decided to seek out my creator first. <clears throat> Think about that. I decided to seek him out first. <clears throat> and that led me on a journey to find and dig and come up with all kinds of questions like you would not believe. And I started talking to pastors. I started talking to scholars. And I started finding all types of differences in all these different versions now i was dealing with first and foremost i was dealing with all these different denominations and then i started dealing with all these different versions of bibles like this is a new king james i got a king james i got an niv i got new american standard right living bible this bible that bible like how can we have so many different versions then I begin to understand that English is the newest language in the world and that the scriptures were not written in English. And that most of what we know is pretty much less than 500 years, or, or, you know, we're talking about 500 years. Some of these letters in the English alphabet that are here now, like the letter J, the letter W, these letters weren't even around 500 years ago. Can y'all believe that? Can y'all believe the letter J was not even used just 500 years ago? Like I own a 1611 King James Bible. There's five versions of King James, all the way from 1611 to 1628. There's no letter J in the first four editions of King James, not even once. The first time you see a letter J in King James is in 1628. That shocked me. Because I'm like, these letters, they give pronunciations. And so I was like, this is, uh," it amazed me. So I began to dig more, began to dig and dig and dig. And here's what happened to me. Now today, I want to just be as raw. Would y'all love for me to be as raw as possible? How many of you are ready to come in and let's just be raw? Let's be humble. Let's don't be afraid to show our weaknesses, right? Let's don't be afraid because humility is the beginning of all understanding and all wisdom the scripture says that the creator gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud so can we just be humble today i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna open up a lot of my soul right here right now because in 1992 i went months and months and months about so many different versions of the bible I bought concordances, lexicons, you name it. I had stacks and stacks and stacks and boxes of all these scriptural study material because what I did was I took the fervor, the passion I had that made me become a professional athlete, I put that into scripture studies. That takes it to a whole new level. And I put the discipline that I took to become a professional athlete, I put it into scripture studies. And unless you've ever become a professional athlete, it's going to be hard to get your mind around that type of discipline that it takes to be one And out of every 500,000 children that play baseball ever become a professional. So if there's 500,000 kids out there playing in all these little league parts, only one out of 500,000 is going to become a professional. You want to know why? Discipline, focus, passion. I took that... Focus that passion and put in the scriptures. I'm gonna tell you, I was tearing it up and I was challenging, I was asking questions to pastors, to scholars, and I got frustrated. I'm being wrong with y'all. I started to see all kinds of contradictions in the English translations. I'm telling you, fact. I started reading, like, I started reading the preface of my Bibles, and it said that hey, we're about 78% accurate. I think the best I've ever seen in a preface, they they admit that they're 85% accurate. What about that other 15%? Could that be life or death? Absolutely. Right? 15% could be life or death. And so I got frustrated. I'm going to tell y'all what I did after almost a year of research. Tell y'all what I did. No, it was over a year. Over a year, Of hardcore, I quit baseball. And I'm just searching. Tell y'all what I did. I told, at the time I called him God. Don't call him God now. Don't call the greater God by a title anymore. You're not going to hear me use that title. I learned. But I said, I yelled out, 1993. I said, God, leave me alone. I'm being wrong. I'm confused i'm frustrated i see so many contradictions i see so much hypocrisy some of these people that are claiming to be your followers these are some of the most hypocritical diabolical people i've ever met anybody ever experienced anything frustrating like that dealing with so-called believers and so i said leave me alone and i i went to what I would call a numb feeling for about two years where I tried to just get them to leave me alone. And then after about two years, I started peeking, poking a little bit, going, okay, acknowledging just a little bit. But it took me all the way to 2004, over 10 years later, of me basically saying, I'd rather, I didn't want to be a hypocrite. And I didn't, I I couldn't see how this could all add up with these scriptures I was reading in these English translations. It just didn't add up. And I got tired of all the hypocrisy in the church and all these so called believers and whatnot. I said, That's it, I'm out. It took me 10 years, 2004, before I felt a major tugging in my heart. So I'm going to tell y'all my story really relates closely to Jonah. But we know his name couldn't be Jonah because the letter J wouldn't run, right? Yonah is his name, Yonah. But you know in the Bible, Jonah, the story of Jonah that ran from the creator, went on the ship, got tossed off the ship, went to the the bottom of the belly of the whale who took him to the bottom of the sea and after three days spit him out on dry land. I'm here to tell y'all, I ran. And I got I got thrown into the wildness of this life, into the the storms of life running. How many of y'all have ever ran before? Can you be wrong? Can you be honest today? How many of you ever ran away? You know what to do, you just don't do it, and you run. I ran. Y'all listen to me. That hit me. It, 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 but I tell you what, I'd rather been that way than be a hypocrite. But he would not leave me alone. The creator of all, for some reason, I believe he respected the fact that I said, you know what, I don't want to be fake. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're in the middle, lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. So I just ran. And he wouldn't leave me alone. As a matter of fact, he put me in that storm of life, and I went through some of the craziest trials and tribulations. Like you wouldn't believe. And I battled with that for years, man, running from him. 2004, I felt a tugging, so I went back in deep. And I went back in probably as hard as I, no, harder than I'd ever went before. I said, okay, I'm back to hot. I feel you're tugging. I'm going all out. And I dug in these scriptures like you wouldn't believe, y'all. Three and a half years on an average of six to 10 hours a day, if I can recall that, right? Somewhere at least six hours a day. For three plus years, I studied scriptures. I studied etymology, the origins of words. I went back and dug and dug and dug six to 10 hours a day. How many of y'all know anybody that's done that? Maybe a few, but I haven't met anybody personally that's told me they've done that. I did it and I found some things that are just was life altering and I found my own spiritual thought process. I found my own spiritual truths that was rooted in the earliest writings I could find. I found the oldest complete Greek New Testament in the world called the Codex Sinaiticus. I found the oldest complete Tanakh called Old Testament in the World, called the Codex Leningrad. is housed over in Leningrad, Russia. Codex Sinaiticus is housed over in the British Museum. I found copies of those, started studying, finding out these earliest words. It was amazing. And so today, after all these years of digging and turning and tolling, I can remember in 2008, after coming out of this big, long, three-plus-year push, push, I started finding these truths, and then I found out about Leviticus 23 that I'm going to talk about today. But before I talk about Leviticus 23, and this is probably going to be an extended training, come and go as you like. But I'm going in because he's put it on my heart. He put it on my heart 1.30 in the morning last night. I wasn't even planning on doing this. He said, you got to do it. I can just feel it in my soul. So I want you to, if you got scriptures, any version, I'm going to use so people can understand more of the language. I'm going to use the New King James today, and I'm going to put the right names in. I won't use God. I won't use Lord. Those are titles. I won't use Uh, A Latinized version of the Savior's name. I'm going to call the creator by his real name, Yahuwah. I'm going to call the Savior by his real name, Yahusha. He's Hamashiach. That means the Messiah. He's now risen, so he's on high. He's been given the name. That's above all names, Yahuwah. Now he's Yahuwah Hamashiach. We do have Yahuwah the Father, Yahuwah Hamashiach, the Messiah, Yahuwah Ruach, the Set-apart Spirit, which people call the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to the sixth chapter of Matthew. We're going to start at verse 25, okay? Matthew 6, 25. I'm going in. Here I go. We're ready to rock now. Y'all ready to go in? Who's ready to go in? All right, let's go in. Therefore, I say to you, this is the Savior talking. This is Yahushua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one single cubit or stature or a minute to your life? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, so they don't work, and yet I say to you that even Shalammah, which is Solomon, in all of his esteem, glory, esteem, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if Aloha, that's the title, if I'm gonna call him by title, it'll be Aloha, which means the mighty one, the creator. So if Aloha, the creator, Yahuwah, so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, which is today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek, meaning the people of the world that don't believe, these are the things they seek after, trying to figure out money, right? For your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. He knows that we need all of these things. Somebody type in, he knows that I need all of these things. Type it in. Because we're going to talk to the creator today as we go in. Just type in, he knows that I need all these things. And if you want to be more specific, say, he knows I need money. The Father knows I need money. Yahuwah knows I need money, right? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But look what he says in verse 33, our Savior. He says, but seek first the kingdom of the Lord, Yahuwah, the creator. So seek first. Which do you, What are we supposed to do first? Seek the kingdom first. Are we, are we supposed to seek money first? Are we supposed to seek clothes first? Are we supposed to seek food first? Are we supposed to seek the kingdom first? Y'all come on, seek first the kingdom of the creator, of Yahuwah. And his righteousness, now catch what it just said there. Seek first the kingdom of Allah, Yahuwah Elohim. Then it says, and his righteousness. Underline the word righteousness. What is right by him? That means what does he want us to do? That's what that means. And all of these things shall be added unto you. So all of the clothes, the food, the money will be given to us if we seek him first. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day has its own trouble. Seek him first, and all these things will be added. Here's my challenge today. To me, my challenge to you. How many of us, before we do anything, seek him first? How many of us are teaching our kids before... They go off and do anything. Hey, you got to know and find out who your creator is first. Do many of you put more emphasis on college than you do on this word? Are you putting more emphasis on college than you are on your children learning their creator first, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first? Are we doing that more than we're trying to go to work? Are we, are we are we seeking first this kingdom more than we're trying to please our boss? Are we seeking this first more than we're trying to build our business? Are we seeking this first? See, if we want all these things to be added and we don't want all this turmoil and struggle and, and keep getting holes in our sack, you know, the scripture says that if you don't keep him first, You will have a hole in your sack. Well, I'm here to tell y'all. We're being raw today. I'm 52 years old. I just figured out this year that I've had a hole in my sack. And I'm telling you, I've went after him big time. And in periods, I've sought him with all I got first. And then other periods, I get distracted. Are y'all feeling my humility? I'm being raw with my family, my friends today, because I want to give you an opportunity to enter in to this season of breakthroughs, I believe. Seek him first. This is deep, ain't it? Now, if we seek him first, we're gonna learn everything else we need to know. Now, I'm gonna teach today on Leviticus 23. And Leviticus, I got some notes over here. I typed it with my own hand. I'm going to teach on the Feast of Yahuwah today from Leviticus 23 on his feast. He said that his feasts are forever. They're eternal. Now, I identified these feasts in 2008, have my hands on them. And I had a group of people that was studying with me. It was about 14 people. And we saw it. And then in between the group, it started being bickering. They started being confusing. They're going back and forth. Well, maybe we should do it this way, not this way, and this way. And do we got to go to Israel or Yashriel? Or do we got to do it here? It was all kind of stuff. And I got frustrated again. I got frustrated with that subject. So I said, I'm gonna put that to the side for a while. I'm gonna get focused on these other things. I'm gonna get focused, build my business. I'm just gonna get out there and then I'll circle back to this. 12 years later, I'm here. Took me 12 years, a decade plus went by. And guess what? I had a hole in my sack. Now I have created, I've been blessed more than you can imagine. But there's always a hole in my sack. There's always footholds and stuff that would happen and make me go, well, how come? And there would always, it's just crazy stuff that would happen. And I'm going, what? That was like weird. And now he made me see. It's time for you to tie up that hole in your sack and put it all together. That's why he told me to teach today on this subject. It will help you stop the hole in your sack like it's helping me stop the hole in my sack. I'm gonna teach on these eternal feasts. The issue when teaching from the Tanakh, what's the Tanakh? That sign name is the Old Testament. People call it the Old Testament, the Tanakh. The, The issue when teaching from the Tanakh is most people feel that somehow the Tanakh has been set aside or replaced with the brick kadash. Sign name, New Testament. Capitals, not true. And I'll quickly prove that it's not set aside. It's not set aside. So when you start talking about Leviticus, that's in the Old Testament or the Tanakh. Some people go, oh, we're in the New Testament times. I'm like, you better you better pay attention because all scripture is the key. Now I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 3. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. I got it in my notes over here. All right, 2 Timothy 3, 16. You ready? It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of Aloha, the creator, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You remember what they said? Seek ye first the kingdom and what? It's righteousness. So it says all scripture is good for instruction in righteousness that a man or woman of a Loa may be complete. How many of you want to be complete? If you want to be complete, it says that you've got to utilize how much of scripture? All scripture. Because you cannot be complete without all scripture. Now, where is this said? It's said in the New Testament. The brick Kadash. So the brick Kadash is telling us that all scripture is to be used for doctrine, for reproof, that means to set people right when they're wrong, me included, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that a man or woman of Aloha, of, of the creator, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says you're not equipped. You might be partially equipped, but if you're not using all Scripture, you're only partially equipped. So it has to be all Scripture. Now, here's the big question that should make everybody's eyes go open: when they, when 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 they wrote this, okay? When Timothy wrote this, Timotheos, when he wrote this, and he said all Scripture was the New Testament even in existence then. Yes or no? Y'all talk to me. When Timothy wrote, second, when he did his second Timothy writing, chapter three, verse 16, was that at that time considered scripture? Yes or no? No. It hadn't been compiled in the books yet. Have any of Paul, Shaul's writings been there yet? No. Kepha, no, they were writing it. So anytime you hear Yahusha, Yahusha HaMashiach, the Messiah, every time you hear him say scripture, it's impossible for him to be talking about the quote, New Testament, it's impossible, had been written yet. So we know when they say scripture, They are talking about the Tanakh, the the books of Moses, the first five books and all the prophets and the Psalms and the Proverbs. That's what they were talking about. Whenever you hear Kepha, Peter talk about scripture, he's not talking about the New Testament because he's writing it. So they're talking about the Tanakh. Let's go to another one. Luca, Luke, Luca, you know what that means? The light is Yahuwah. Luca 24, verse 27, chapter 24, verse 27. And the beginning at Moshe and all the prophets, he, Yahusha, expounded to them in all the what? Scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Yahushua is now calling the scripture, what? The books of Moshe and the prophets. And he said, these books are writing about me. And they and it's called the scriptures. Isn't this beautiful? How many of y'all having some lights go off right now? Is this helping anybody? I just want to know. Do Y'all think I'm like way the heck out? Or are y'all seeing that as clear as I'm seeing it? Yahu John, sign name John. They changed his name in our English versions to John. His real name is Yahu Kahn. Yahu means Yahuwah is grace. And what's he known for? Graceful. Yahu chapter five, verse 39. Yahu is talking here. He says, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. So now Yahushua says again, you guys are searching the script. What scripture was he talking about? Was he talking about the New Testament? Impossible. He's here walking amongst the people. He's not talking about the New Testament. It's not here. So the word scriptures in this, it's it's talking about the, it's talking about the Tanakh, the Old Testament, Right. In Yahu 7, chapter 7, so John 7, chapter 38, he says, he who believes in me, this is Yahusha, the Messiah talking, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So if you believe in the Savior, he's saying to you and to me, we got to act like we were walking around with those people. He goes if you're searching the scripture what you should be doing so if you only look at the new testament you're not searching the scriptures you're searching part of the writings that are now part of the scriptures you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are the ones that testify me yahukani 738 so john 738 he who believes in me I'm sorry. That's that's the one. Yahukanna kind of says, the, "The the 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 out of his heart flows the rivers of living water." Yahukanna kind of 7:38. Luke 24. I got to read the whole chapter. Told it's going to take it. going to be deep. Y'all ready to stay deep or y'all want to cut it short? Y'all tell me. Y'all tell me. I'm going to keep doing it based upon what I'm led to do here. Y'all tell me so it's going to be deeper today i gotta to read the whole chapter now the messiah has been killed he's been what people call crucified the correct word is impaled he was impaled he was crucified right here we go luca 24. now on the first day of the week very early in the morning they and the certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they have prepared, but found the stone rolled away from the tomb. He's unrisen. Then they went in and did not find the body of the master, Yahusha, Hamashiach. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that beheld two men that stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is what? risen. remember how he spoke to you when he was still with you in Galilee saying, Yahushua said, the son of Adam, Sinai man, Sinai man, the son of Adam must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again and they remembered his words. They said, yeah, he did tell us that. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11. Remember Judas, Yahuda, No, his name could be Judas. Yahuda, had betrayed Yahusha, so there was only 11 left. They returned to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Maryam, Joanna, and Mary, Maryam, the mother of Jacob, James, son named James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to be like that of idle tales. They're like, man, this is got they, they gotta be tripping. And they did not believe them. But Kepha, son named Peter, arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to the village called Emas, which was about seven miles from Yerushalem, not Jerusalem, Yerushalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Yahusha himself drew near. So now the Savior's coming near to them. But they don't recognize him because he closed them up. Watch this. And he went with them, but their eyes were restrained. It said Yahusha did not let himself be revealed to them at that time. So they did not know him. And Yahusha said to them, What kind of conversation is is it that you have with one another as you walk and you are sad? Then the one whose name is Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, And have you not known the things that which have happened in these past days? And he said to them, what things? So Yahushua said, what things? He's messing with them. So they said to him, the things concerning Yahusha of, Nazarene, of Nazareth, who was the prophet, mighty indeed in deed and word before Eloah and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers, the Pharisees, delivered him to be condemned to death and to be impaled, crucified. And they get impaled and crucified him. But we were hoping, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Yashriel. They say Israel, Yashriel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes. And certain women of our company Who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying, and they also had seen a vision of messengers, angels, sign name angels, who said that he was alive. And certain of, and certain of those who were with us went to the, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not find. They did not see. Didn't find Yahusha there. And then he said to them, so Yahushua is walking with them. They don't recognize him. Y'all, y'all better listen carefully right now. We're going in. Y'all ready to go in deeper? Everybody say, let's go in. Because right here we get breakthroughs. Here we go. And Yahushua said to them, I got children up down my arm. I don't even know if I can hardly read this. And Yahushua said, said to them, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. In all, watch. what what did he say? Oh, foolish ones, and slow and hard to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. How would they know what the prophets have spoken? It's in the scriptures. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his esteem, sign name, glory, and beginning at Moshe. Are y'all catching this? And beginning at Moshe and all the prophets, you hear what he just said? And beginning at Moshe, what's talking about? At the books of Moshe, Moses, and all the prophets, which is the scriptures, he expounded to them, and now I'm gonna prove to you this is the scriptures, and he expounded to them in all the Scriptures, the things concerning himself. He then, I, he then, the Savior himself, tells us what the scriptures are. The, how many of y'all would have loved to been walking on that road with the Savior that day? Who would have loved that? Would y'all love to been walking on that road with the Savior? And the Savior sits there and tells us. Let's all picture we're walking with him. Come on with me, y'all. Let's go deep. He's done died. We are tore up because we watched them kill him. Unrightfully, they killed him. He hadn't ever sinned, did nothing wrong. We saw it. We cut to the heart. We go to his tomb three days later, he ain't there. He told us he was going to rise. But we're humans. We're going, man, is this, What? And now we're walking down, talking about what's all happened. And then this man's talking to us, but the man is the Savior. And the Savior says to us, and beginning at Moshe, Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded to us in all the scriptures concerning himself. Then, would y'all be Torah? I will be Torah. Oh, my gosh. But we don't know it yet because he ain't letting us see him yet. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. Now, he's, he indicated that he would have gone farther. He said, I'm going to keep going. But they constrained him, saying, they were back. no, 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 stay with us, abide with us, for it is toward the end of the evening, and the day is far spent. It's about to get into the night. Don't go, stay with us. And he went in to stay with them. Now it had come to pass as he sat at the table with them, that, that that he took the bread, blessed the bread, and broke the bread and gave it to them. Then at that time, their eyes were opened and they knew him. It's, uh, that's him. But what happened? And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another. He let them see him. And then he went, I'm out. I got some more things to do. Are y'all feeling this? This is this is unbelievable. Now let's see what they said. Now that they went through this experience with the Savior after he's freshly arisen. Look at what he's talking about when he first rises. He's not talking about all this distractionary stuff. He's talking about the scriptures. And look what they say. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn? within us as he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. Woo! Are y'all tore up? I'm tore up. This is unbelievable. He opened the scriptures to us. What did the, what? There was no New Testament. He's done risen, it's happened, it's finished. The price is paid. And even though the price is paid, did he say, hey, let me take all of this Tanakh and throw it away. I ain't gonna talk to y'all about that no more because I've wiped that out just because I died. Can y'all believe this? Did, Did the Savior come up and say, nah. I'm throwing the Tanakh away. I'm throwing the book of Moshe away, the first five books, that's gone. All the prophets, I'm throwing away. Yeshua, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, Amos. I'm throwing all those books away. I'm not talking about them. He didn't say that. When he rose, the first thing he's talking to them about. Can y'all feel that? The first thing he's talking about is the scriptures. And he's identified it in these words. He said, Moshe and the prophets and what they say. Did not our heart what? Burn. You see, when you read these scriptures, all of them, including the Tanakh, your heart, my heart is going to burn. Remember fire. Remember that fire. That's why it says burn. That's the fire. Watch this. Did it burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11, the disciples, the apostles, right? And those who were with them gathered together saying, the Messiah is risen indeed. And as appeared to Simon, to, Simone, to those. <laughs> And they told about the things that had happened on that road. And how he how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I'm tore up. How y'all doing? Because I'm still going in. I had to read y'all that whole chapter to set the table for what I'm going to do today. You with me? Now, Yahu Kahnan. Let's go first, Yahu Kahnan. First John chapter 2. Verse 3 through 5. Let's go there. 1 John. Chapter 2. We're going to read verses uh, 3 through 5. So this is Yahukadah speaking. Okay. So 1 John. Chapter 2. Verse 3 through 5. Now, see what Yahu Khanda says. He says, now, this is how we know him, the creator. If we keep his commandments. It's getting very simple now. He who says, I know the father, him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, Truly the love of Lord, the creator, is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Where are the commandments at? They're in the scriptures. They're sitting over there in the Tanakh, over there in Shema, sign name Exodus, chapter 20, you can see them. Those 10 commandments, sitting over there. That here's the apostle, John, Yahu Khan, and telling us, this is how you know if you know him. If you keep his commandments, then you know him. If you don't, it says you a liar. And the truth is not in you. So we've got a lot of people out there teaching today that those commandments are not in effect. And John, Yahu Khan, said, if somebody's teaching that, don't believe that because you're going to get tricked. You're going to get tricked. You're going to fall into Revelation 12, 9 where it says Satan was cast to the earth and he goes about and deceives the entire world. Don't let yourself stand deception. We all at one time or another will get deceived, the scripture says, but we can come out through humility. Now, let's read the, 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 chap, the purpose of this training today, Leviticus. Now, have I set the tempo that this whole book is valid? Yes. Now, what happened when the Savior... Gave himself up. What what changed when he gave himself up? I'm going to tell y'all what changed. The sacrifices. That's it. Those rules and regulations of the sacrifices. He's the lamb that the feast tell us about. That's all that changed. Nothing else changed. In my training, my study, all these years, me running away, him pulling me back, me trying to go away, him pulling me and saying, you better sit down if you don't want a hole in your sack or me to take you out of here. So I said, all right, Father, I'm going to listen. Y'all catching me, and I'm just going to listen. I got to walk straight down this line with him. That's just the way I got to go. Y'all can come with me. Y'all don't have to come with me. I'm just going to walk down this line with him. That's all I got to do. Now, what's the purpose? Before I read these feasts in Leviticus, which the real name is Weirikah, way Weirikah. Way Before I read them, I want to tell you the purpose of these feasts and why they were instituted. They were instituted because they consistently remind us throughout our entire generations of Yahuwah's deliverance starting when he delivered out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. So if you are his, you are part of this lineage. There's not two paths of salvation in the world. There's one path. And you can't say, well, there's this one for the quote Jews, because people don't understand what the word Jews means, where it comes from. You see, people that practice Judaism today they practice, and again, I respect everybody. I'm just telling you what they practice. They practice the Talmud. And their teachings come from the Pharisees, who the savior was arguing with all the time. And they do not utilize any of the New Testament writings. So that's the traditional, I should say the modern day, what people call Jews, the scriptural Jew is the Yahudim, Yahudah, followers of Yah. And those who were not born as a, quote, yashriel once you receive his word, you are grafted in. And now your lineage runs all the way back to the beginning. We all come from Adam and Kua anyway. E. But you're going to go back to at least Mitzrayim where he delivered them out and he it was a big deal for him to deliver those people out because he wrote about it. That's why he gave the commandments out there. It's a big deal. So that's number one. It keeps us a reminding of his deliverance. Number two, it helps us foresee the coming of the Messiah. It helps us see how how he came, and most of the Messiah's work, as I noted here, that he did on this earth was done in complete connection to the feast of Leviticus. I'm talking about hand in hand. I'm talking about step in step. He did it right in order with those feasts, and you got to see why. So I'm going to read it. Let's go to Leviticus 23 without any further delay. Now that we know this is scripture we're reading and not something this weird, it's so funny how people, they don't want to give the, the credence to the Old Testament, but then people get, <laughs> people show do quote Malachi chapter three a lot when they want tithes and offerings. They don't forget to quote that one, do they? Oh no, it's valid then. Well, guess what? It's all valid. Go to, go to Leviticus, way real quick, 23. Y'all ready to go? Man, we're going to get a blessing out of it. I believe we're going to get such an unbelievable blessing because we're going to learn something. 52 years. I have had a, I had my hands on it. 2008. Now I've grabbed it. So I'm holding on. All right. The Feast of Yahuwah. Start with chapter 23, verse 1. And Yahuwah spoke. Who spoke? Yahuwah. Spoke to who? Moshe, Moses. Saying, Speak to the children of Yashriel and say to them, the feast of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be set apart convocations, quote, holy convocations. These are my feasts. He's talking. We should be at 10 hut. He's talking. First, he says, before he gets into these feasts, he's gonna say, I want you to remember this, the Sabbath, the Shabbat. Six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is the Shabbat of solemn rest and a holy set-apart convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is a Sabbath of Yahuwah in all your dwellings. So he laid that down. Now, in order to get these times right, I want y'all to make a note. Let me get a drink here. Oh. In order to get these times right, you gotta be working on the right calendar. The calendar that we've been given today is a Gregorian calendar. It's been changed, it's been manipulated. It's not based upon what Yahuwah said in Genesis 1:14 that he would put the two great lights in the heavens to keep times, appointed times, these are appointed times. So you need to find you a good, and I'm getting ready to help everybody with this because I'm gonna post one. I'm creating a website. And I'm going to post a loony, a lunar solar calendar. So moon, sun, working together, calendar. But you can find some online. So a loony solar calendar so that you don't get tricked. If you don't follow the lunar solar calendar, you for sure are going to get tricked. And then Daniel chapter seven, verse 25, will have come true to you personally in your life. That the beast's power thinks to change times and laws. It says the beast power is going to think to change times and laws, appointed times and laws. So you don't want to get tricked, get you a lunar solar calendar. That is a creation calendar based upon created things, not something that man can manipulate, okay? So like today on the lunar solar calendar, and it depends on where you're at in the world based on the moon. So for me, today is the Sabbath, right? This is the seventh day of the week today on the real calendar. Some people going, what is Thursday? What talking about, most people couldn't say Sunday's the first day of the week. So they going, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Is this the fifth day of the week? No, it's the seventh day of the real week. But you gotta know the right calendar, okay? So that's important. So I can keep the Sabbath, because I know I can keep the right Sabbath. Because I know the right calendar. That should bless a whole bunch of people right there. You should go, I never knew that. It took me until 2008 to figure that out. All my life to 2008, I figured out, oh, that calendar, it's Lonely Solar calendar. And it's, can't dispute it. All right, so next, verse four. Here we go. The first feast. The Passover, and unleavened bread is in there with it, okay? So the first feast, Passover. Let me get us lined up here. All right, I'll make sure everybody understands this. Nobody's guessing. So write these down. I'm going to tell them to you. Ready? And somebody type them in. Here we go. The Passover, one. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, two the Feast of First Fruits, three, the Feast of Pentecost, four, the Feast of Trumpets, five, the Day of Atonement, six, and the Feast of Tabernacles, seven. So one Passover, two unleavened bread, three First Fruits, four, Pentecost, five, Trumpets, Feast of Trumpets, six, Day of Atonement, seven, Feast of Tabernacles, okay? Those are the seven perpetual, eternal, I'm done running from them, Feast, because I ran and kept a hole in my sack, can't no more holes. we gotta get these holes out of our sacks. Okay. So the first one, Passover. Now, I'm gonna read verse 4, 23, verse 4. These are the feasts of Yahuwah. Set apart holy <clears throat> set apart holy convocations, which you shall proclaim, <clears throat> which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Hold on, I gotta make this note. Go back to Genesis chapter one i have to make this note so i drive the point home told you it's going to be a very deep study today hopefully y'all appreciate this if i go back to genesis 1 verse 14 it says then yahuwah said let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and in the in the original writings it says and for appointed times so when I got one of these so this is like the scriptures right if I got the scriptures version but watch I'll go to it's called Barashah chapter 1 verse 14 it says and Aloha let said let the lights come into the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and appointed times and for days and years. You see that? See, that's right there. That's from that's just taking it straight from the Hebrew and putting the word in there directly without manipulating it. That's why I like that verse. The scriptures real good. You can get it out of South Africa, you can get it online. Just type in the scriptures from South Africa. Okay. Now it says these are feasts of the of Yahuwah, and holy set-apart convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Now listen to what he says. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahuwah. Now, if we don't got the right calendar, how are we gonna know when the 14th day of the first month is? So say you're looking at the Gregorian calendar, the one we use now, for all for, that the world is using now. <laughs> Look what Satan has pulled off, Revelation 12, 9, and the entire world is deceived. Look what he's pulled off, the calendar. Look what he's pulled off. If you think I'm playing, we just got through with what month? September. And we call, we'll write it down so that's the ninth month. But listen to the word septa. What's septa mean? Seven, September. We just, today is we call it October. We say, oh, that's the 10th month. What's octa mean? Eight. Have we been fooled or have we been fooled? We're calling the eighth month the 10th month. Now how much have we been tricked? So you got to know the right cash. That's why I got to get you a loony solar calendar so that you can be obedient to the Father, which will tie up that hole in your sack. All right? I'm sorry I got a little bit off track, but I think these are great things to be adding in so that y'all don't get messed up here. So now we got two of the feasts. We got The Passover is on the 14th day of the first month at twilight. And then we got on the 15th day, the very next day, we start the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahuwah. Seven days, you must eat unleavened bread, meaning eat bread without yeast in it, no yeast. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation set apart, which means a gathering with people who are of like-minded people, so the believers in this truth. And you shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering that anytime we hear the words offering, this is where some people go, ah, that's been nailed to the cross. Ah, they're talking about offerings and sacrifices. Soon as you hear the word offering, you think, Yahusha, the Messiah. You go, oh, he fulfilled that part. The rest of this is for me, but he's fulfilled that. You got that? Now watch. You should have a holy or set-apart convocation. You should do no customary work on verse 8 but you shall, have a, you shall offer an offering made by fire. Remember that fire I talked about? To Yahuwah. What's your offering of fire now? When this, What did Yahu Khan and the Immerser say? John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water. Y'all ready to go in? John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but one who comes after me, whose shoelaces I am not worthy to untie. Somebody already knows what I'm going to say. He's going to baptize you, immerse you with what? Fire! Yahuwah HaMashiach, Yahusha has fulfilled the fire. You ain't got to go do no fire offering. To Yahuwah, you got to have the fire of the Savior in you. And that's your offering to back up to him. But I'm making sure to do that on that day. So the seventh day of that week shall be a a set-apart convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So the first day, let's start. It happens to be on a Sabbath. And then the next seven days later, it's going to be another Sabbath. Okay. So I got two. Can you do that? That's the question. Can we do that? Can we get the calendar right and go, okay, on on the first month, the 14th day, we are going to Observe the Passover. Why would we want to do that? What's the benefit? Is there a benefit to us to think about the sacrifice that our Savior made for us? Absolutely. To take the time to go. We got to remember. What did he say? Remember, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But he became the Passover. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't ever stop doing the Passover, he said. He said, do it because I fulfill this. He said, these scriptures was writing about me. So now can you see when the Savior, as we talked earlier, he's talking about this Passover. He goes, you guys are reading this when he was walking with them. And he's telling the Pharisees, you guys are reading this. But that right there, that Passover is me. I'm here to fulfill that. That was just the foreshadowing. Okay, the third festival the feast of first fruits. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, speak to the children of Yashriel and say to them, when you come into the land which I have give, which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Do we bring a sheaf? No, because who's our high priest? Yahusha. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love what Yahusha did for us? or else we'd have to do all this. He shall wave the sheep before Yahuwah to be accepted on your behalf. Once you receive Yahusha, it's been accepted on your behalf. And on the day after the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheep, watch this, a male lamb, what we call Yahushua, the lamb of Allah, of the first year. Without what? Without blemish. He was without sin. He had no blemishes. As a burnt offering to Yahuwah. Its grain offering shall be two tenths of an ephah, ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil and an offering made by fire. You've been immersed into his name once you receive him. To Yahuwah for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine, one fourth of a hen. You shall neither, you shall neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought your offering to Yahuwah. It shall be a statue. Listen, forever, throughout your generations, in all your dwellings. He said, "This is going to happen forever, through all the. If you are His." This is forever, except all of those sacrifices. That's what Paul, Shaul, and Colossians was talking about. He says, these things were against us. They're so tedious. There's so many things to do. He said, those were placed and nailed to the stake, which means he sacrificed those things to the stake. But the remembrance of this, the observance of this, he says, this is a statue forever throughout your generations. You got that one? That's the third festival. Fourth festival. The Feast of Weeks or called the Feast of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Look how it's all. Now, back up. First fruits. Why is it called first fruits? See, we brought the first fruits. That was a shadow of things to come. When Yahushua, he was risen from the grave. Go look at the scripture. It says, he became the first fruits of the risen. So all of us that want to rise again after death, he's the first fruits of the risen. So when we keep the first fruits, we are now commemorating that he's the first fruits of the risen and we are now having an expectation that we will rise with him. That's why. And we sit down and we teach our children this. Wonderful. Now the feast of... Of weeks or the day of Pentecost, and you shall count for yourselves from this from the day after the Sabbath, which you got to know the calendar from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths 49 days shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. So you got to keep it, you got to know the days. then shall offer a new grain offering to Yahuwah. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah, of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to Yahuwah. And you shall offer the bread. Watch this. Watch all the stuff that had to happen. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull, two rams. Look what all to have to do. Two rams. They shall be as burnt offerings to Yahuwah with their grain offering, their drink offering, and an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to Yahuwah. Then you shall sacrifice one, like one kid of the goats, so a baby goat, as a sin offering, and two male lambs. Of the first year as a sacrifice, as a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Yahuwah with the two lambs. They shall be a set apart, holy. They shall be holy, set apart to Yahuwah for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the same day that this is a set apart convocation, a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it, and it shall be a statue, listen, forever. How long is forever? Till it's eternal. In all your dwellings, throughout all your generations, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. He says, now when you go out and get all that reaping, leave the corners alone of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather the gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave it for the poor and for the stranger. I am Yahuwah, your Eloah. He finishes with that. Now, why is this? Some of y'all going, my gosh. No wonder people say, I don't want to deal with that. That's the Old Testament. I don't want to deal with that. Don't have to deal with all that. Now you see how critical and crucial the Savior is in his sacrifice. He kept this while he walked on this earth to a T. He didn't miss a beat. He did every one of these things here. He participated to the T and was unblemished. And so he fulfilled that. Now why is the Feast of Weeks, now called the Day of Pentecost as well, what happened? When Yahushua rose from the grave as the first fruits He spent about 40 days with them, okay? He told them, don't leave the city of Jerusalem. Stay here, because in a short time, I'm gonna send you the promise, what? Spirit, I'm gonna send you the fire. So this fire offering, I'm gonna send it to you. And if you go over to Acts chapter two, verse one, I'll go over it real quick. Go over to Acts 2, verse 1. Watch this. Watch how this is fulfilled. Watch how the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, is fulfilled here. Watch this. You ready? When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice I'm reading in the New Testament, the, the brick Kadash. What's it doing saying the day of Pentecost? The Savior's already risen. He's already risen and ascended. Listen what it says here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from the heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues of what? Fire! You see all these scriptures coming to life? Like probably you've never heard it before. How many of y'all have never really heard it before? Like, will you be wrong? Because this all dumping on me now. All my years of study, I'm getting downloads and downloads, and I can feel the spirit say, tell the people this. Tell them this way where they can really easily understand my word. Is this helping anybody the way I'm explaining this? Is this helping anybody at all? I know it's deep, I know it's longer, but I believe it's so worth it because it brings reality to you and to me. It says they were together on what day? The day of Pentecost. What are they doing there as quote New Testament believers? What are they doing celebrating the day of Pentecost? And if they're celebrating the day of Pentecost after the Savior has come, after he's walked among them, after he's been impaled, crucified, after he has risen and walked with them, after he went and rose and went back to the heavens to sit at the right hand of Yahuwah, what are they doing celebrating the day of Pentecost after he's gone? If they're believers doing it, my question is, why are we not doing it? Why are we not doing it? Why is somebody trying to say, that that is nailed to the, quote, cross if they were sitting here as our example of what to do after he's risen and gone. That's my question. Now they received that fire and they were filled with the what? Set-apart spirit that had never happened on the earth until that point. The set-apart spirit did not come into people up until that point. That's why they had to have the temple, right? And they began to speak in other what? Tongues or languages is the best uh, translation. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Yerushalem. And they were dwelling, dwelling in Yerushalem, Yahudim, devout men. Listen to this, y'all. From every nation under heaven well, what were all them people from every nation under heaven doing there in Jerusalem? And then when this sound had occurred, a multitude came together and were confused because every one of them heard them speak their own language. Then they were amazed and marveled saying to one another, look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that they, that we each hear in our own language in which we were born? And then it lists all these countries that people were from. You see, Yahuwah brought all these nations together because people went to celebrate the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks in Jerusalem. They came from everywhere, even strangers, even foreigners. They would go up and celebrate. It was happening then, it should be happening now. That explains the fourth festival Are you glad I broke that down for you that way? Did that help anybody? Did that help anybody? Okay. Now, those are what's called the spring feast. Now let's get to the fall feast, which we are dealing with now. The fifth feast is the day of atonement. And now we're in Leviticus 23, verse 26. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, also, listen carefully, On the 10th day of the 7th month shall be the Day of Atonement. On the 10th day of the 7th month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a set-apart convocation for you. You shall inflict your souls and, and offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. What's that fire offering? It's that, that set-apart spirit when you call on his name. He says, all who call on the name of Yahuwah will be saved and will receive the set-apart spirit. Yahuwah Ruach comes in you then. Now you got the fire for him. That's why I feel the way I feel. I got his Ruach in me. And so I'm talking this. But I gotta know the calendar. That's why when you follow the moon, and it's a new moon, now you know the days, okay? Okay. So, for the first time in my life, first time in my life, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Y'all went ahead. Y'all, let's back up because I missed the Feast of Trumpets. The fifth fifth is the Feast of Trumpets. I wish I could go. I'll have to go ahead on the page. The fifth feast is is the Feast of Trumpets. Sorry. Then, then, then Yahuwah, I'm over in verse 23, then we'll get back to 26, verse 23. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month on the first day of the month, right? You shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of the blowing of trumpets, a holy or set apart convocation. you shall do no customary work on it and it, and it shall, and you shall offer it An offering made by fire to Yahuwah. So on the first day of the seventh month. Okay, y'all. 15 days ago was the first day of the real seventh month. On the real calendar from where I'm located in Nevada, 15 days ago was the first day of the seventh month. And the purpose of the trumpets in the plan of salvation is to have us have a remembrance that Yahushua said, when I come back, there's going to be a what? A shout of the trumpet. So that makes us remember he said that and to expect to hear that one day, that trumpet shout. Then 10 days later, we get to the day of atonement, which we just read in chapter 26. Of Leviticus twenty-three, chapter twenty, chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-six through thirty-two, on the tenth day. Now I love this because you can take the Ten Commandments from the first day of the trumpets, and each day you can look at yourself and you can say, "Okay, start with number ten, and go. Do I have any coveting in my heart? Am I am I dealing with any of that anymore?" Because we all slip from time to time, right? So it's good on the day on the day of Trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, to start to begin to reevaluate and check on yourself every year. Isn't this great? Do a yearly checkup. Okay, here we go. Do I have any coveting? Day nine. Have I bared false witness against anybody? Right? Because I'm doing the countdown. Eight. Okay. Have I stolen anything? Seven. Have I committed any adultery? Six, have I murdered or had hatred in my heart towards anybody? Five, am I honoring my mother and father? Four, am I keeping the Sabbath? Three, am I holding his name in high esteem and not bringing his name to nothing? Two, do I got any images or idols around me? One, am I putting any other Elohim Elohim or gods before my face? Then I get to the 10th day, the day of atonement. It says afflict myself. It says go into deep thought for 24 hours. Deep thought and talk to Yahuwah. Now, is there anything wrong with someone doing that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a great thing to me. Should you teach this to your children? What would the world be like if every year people followed these feasts? And imagine leading up to the Feast of Trumpets, the entire world said, "Now hold on. Let me make sure I'm not jealous of nobody. Let me make sure I'm not lying on somebody else. What if the whole world did that? Look at the peace that will happen on this on this earth. It's coming because these are going to be, these are going to be observed throughout all eternity. Now we get to the last feast. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Yashrael which you should want to be. Saying the 15th day, which on my calendar is today. On this seventh month, so this is the real seventh month, and it's the 15th day. Pretty much half the world, 15th day is today for pretty much the other half of the world. I think it's some from, from like from like New Mexico over, New Mexico East. Tomorrow his their 15th day. Something like that, right? It says on the on the seventh month, the 15th day shall be the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Booths, which means tents. You know, like a tent? Okay. And the reason Yahuwah had this is because he brought the children out of Mitzrayim and for 40 years he had them live in tents. Temporary housing. And this is to make us remember it. All right, here we go. The 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for what? Seven days to Yahuwah. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation, a set-apart convocation. We come together, which I'm considering that us coming together. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Feast of Tabernacles. Y'all are are participating in the Feast of Tabernacles with me. This is a set-apart convocation. How many of y'all... how many of y'all, this is your first time coming together in a set-apart gathering to observe Yahuwah's Feast of Tabernacles? Do you know that you can choose to participate or you can just be listening in? It? It's up to you. But I say, if you believe, we're we, we having a set-apart convoc- convocation. I'm pleased to be celebrating this with you. I'm honored. It's the first time I've done it. 52 years I missed this. Great, man. On the first day, you shall have a, a set-apart convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. What's my offering made by fire? It's it's the fire of Yahusha. See? The Savior sent the Spirit in me. On the eighth day, you shall have another holy convocation. So seven, you know, so eight days now. Which actually is seven more days from now, you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. Got that covered. It is a set apart sacred assembly, and you do you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feast of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah, burnt offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice, and a drink offering. Everything on its day, besides the Sabbath of Yahuwah, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings which you give to Yahuwah. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the first uh, when you gather in the fruit of the land, you shall keep. The feast of Yahuwah for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a, a Sabbath rest, which is today, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, and ball, and bowls of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before Yahuwah. So now He's commanded us to rejoice. Let's be happy. Let's be excited why we went through all the festivals we went through the process of salvation and now he's telling us to celebrate that we have victory in him you shall look at this you shall keep it as a feast for seven days in in the year it shall be a statute forever y'all see that verse 41 of chapter 23 Right in the middle of that sentence, it said, it shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. Then he says, you shall dwell in booths, which means temporary housing. There's a lot of people around the world. we are starting today and tomorrow. They're going to get temporary. They're going to set up tents. I've seen places where there's tents everywhere and families are out and everybody's fellowshipping and having a great time. I've seen people get Winnebagos bagels and RVs and go out and everybody's celebrating and they stay there for a week and everybody's celebrating. Having a great time. Those are great things. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. That you said, and all all the native Yasraelites shall dwell in booths. And some people go, what do you mean? What's native Yasraelite? If you accept Yahuwah as in Yahusha, the Savior, the Messiah, you are a native, period. There is no two ways. That your generations may, why? That your generations may know that I made the children of Yashrael dwell in booths, tents, when I brought them out of the land of Mitzriam Egypt. I am Yahuwah, your are so Moshe Moses declared to the children of Israel the feast of Yahuwah. Have you ever heard it taught like that before? Maybe, maybe not. Have you ha- ever had it broken down to you like that before? Maybe, maybe not. You know, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, in the Hebrew, they call it Sukkot. They call it Sukkot. Sukkot, S-U. K-U-T, S-U-K-U-T. And every word in Hebrew, in the Paleo, if you see those pictogram pictures, each letter has a meaning. Let me help you out with this. What Sukkot, which is tabernacles, what it means. So the S in Hebrew is the the semek. An S is called a semek, And in the Paleo, that means grab and protect the ua the u is a ua that means add and secure the Kaf, the k means to open to allow another ua double reinforces the adding and securing and the Tau, the t is a mark it's a sign it's a signal it's a monument so what this day means is that Yahuwah is grabbing his people to protect. Do you want to be in that protection? He's securing us, opening up doors, and then securing those doors being open that no one can shut, and then marking us, and then making this a monument, saying we will do this forever. Again, what's the purpose of these feasts? To consistently remind us throughout all of our generations of Yahuwah's deliverance, to help us foresee What had happened up to the Messiah coming? And now that he's gone, we can go, that's what he did, right? So what happens here with the Feast of Tabernacles that starts today where I'm at? Well, it makes me think about this. Yahuwah dwelt among the people in tents. So when you read the story, those 40 years, they would have a tent. And Yahuwah's spirit would be dwelling in that tent with his people during those 40 years. Yahusha dwelt among us. He was born in a manger. Right? So, like an outside housing, temporary housing, like a tent, like in a stall, right? But he dwelt among us, just like Yahuwah. Yahuwah and the Messiah will return and dwell among us. It says that when he returns, those are that are his are going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years that Hashatan, Satan, will be bound up and there will be a peace on this earth like never before, for 1,000 years before he's released again and then he's bound up and cast out forever, right? Now, in Debaram, Deuteronomy, 31, 10 through 12, Moshe, this is deep. Deuteronomy, Debaram, 31, 10 through 12, and Moshe commanded them, saying, what is training, this training is getting in eh?" And Moshe commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time of the year of release, at Feast of Tabernacles, when all of Yisrael comes to appear before Yahuwah, your Eloah, in the place where he chooses, you shall read this law before all of Yisrael and their hearing. Gather the people together, like I'm doing with you today, men and women, and the little ones, the children, and the stranger, people don't know anything about this, that's within your gates that they may hear and that they may learn to fear Yahuwah, your Elohim, and carefully observe all the words of this eternal law. And then what about the foreigners? What about people saying, well, I I don't know anything about that. We'll go to 2 Chronicles 6, 32 and 33. Moreover, concerning the foreigner, who is not of your people of Yashrael, but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name, Yahuwah, and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray in this temple, this is Zechariah who built a temple to Yahuwah. He goes, when they come and pray in this temple, the strangers, the foreigners, this come because they know the greatness of your name, then hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of this earth may know your name and fear you, as you do your people Yashriel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. So my last closing teachings today is, did the Savior and the apostles keep the feast? Absolutely. If you look at Luke, Luke 2, 41 through 43, it says now his, Yahushua, now his parents went up to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was but twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, meaning the feast of unleavened bread, as they returned, the boy Yahusha lingered behind in Jerusalem. They lost track of him for a few, for several days, right? Because he stayed behind teaching, even at twelve. Go to John, 2 2:13. Now the Passover was at hand. And Yahushua went up to Jerusalem. So he, our Savior went up and observed the Passover. Yahukon in John 7, 7. After these things, Yahushua walked in Galilee, for he did not walk in Judea, Judea, because of the Pharisees sought to kill him. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Verse 2. What's he doing? He's going to observe. And he's going to partake and become the Passover lamb and have all these things come to pass. In verse 10 of chapter seven of John, Yahu but when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were a secret because he knew they were trying to kill him. And it wasn't his time yet. Verses 14 and 15 of chapter seven of John. Now about the middle of the feast, Yahushua went up into the temple and taught. And the Yahudim, Marvel saying, how does this man know the letters? What does that mean? The scriptures. How does he know the letters? Having never studied. They say he ain't never studied. How does he know these letters? He is the letter. He is the word, right? Luca 22, one and two. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called also the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him for they feared the people. Verses seven and eight of chapter 22 of Luca. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover must be killed. I mean, when they killed the Passover lamb. And he sent Kepha and Yahukan and John saying, go and prepare what? The Passover for us that we may eat. He knows they taking him that night. He knows it, but what's he doing? He's observing it. And becoming it. Verses 14 through 23 of Luke chapter 22. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, with passion, I have desired to eat this this Passover with you before I suffer. Y'all feel our our Savior right there? He says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of Aloha. Will we slow down for a second? I know this is a long training, but this is critical. He says, I'm not going to eat this again. Until when the kingdom of Aloha comes, which means we're going to do what? We're going to eat this Passover again. We should be eating this Passover now. He's going to tell us. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of Aloha comes. And we're going to do it. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. For us, y'all should feel this on this day, the feast of tabernacles, the celebration. Why? The Savior said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, do the Passover in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. All those sacrifices that's required. I'm now taking that cup away. Soon as you drink and believe, I took it for you. You don't have to do all that, but you gotta remember it. You gotta observe it. But you ain't gotta do those sacrifices. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at this table and truly the son of adam goes as it has been determined in the scriptures but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed then they begin to question among themselves which of them is it who would do this thing so that brings me to ask us today ask me today i'm challenging me today am i going to betray the savior and his sacrifice by ignoring his command to observe that Passover? He said, do this in remembrance of me, it's a command. Am I going to betray him? Are we going to betray him or are we going to obey him? Did the apostles keep the festivals? You know, the one that they said, Did away with all this. Shaul Paul, which Kepha said, if you're not careful, you're going to twist his writings. Let's look at Acts 2.1. What do we read? On the day of Pentecost, they had fully come together, all the apostles with the people. And they were in one accord. Acts 18.20 and 21. When they asked him, Shaul, Paul, to stay longer with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I'm going to quote Paul, Shaul, I must... By all means, keep this upcoming feast in Jerusalem. What did Paul say? Shaul said, I must by all means keep this feast. So there's no way Paul did away with the feast. As everybody, that I should say that a lot of people out in modern day teachers have been teaching. That's a deception. He said, I must by all means keep it. But I will return to you again, a Lord willing, and then he sailed to from Ephesus. Acts 20, verse 6. This is Shaul. But we, Shaul and Luca, one of the disciples, sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. So they stayed for the day. They did the Passover and they did the seven days of unleavened bread. And, and in five days joined them at Troas, and where they stayed seven days. So they kept the feast of unleavened bread. Paul. Acts 20:16. For Paul, Shaul had determined to sail to Ephesus because he would not spend would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted, he hurried if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, for the Feast of Weeks. There he's trying to rush to get to it. How do people say that's gone? Acts 12, one through four. Now about the time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some of the assembly. Then he killed Yaakov, James, the brother of Yahuchanan, John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Pharisees, he proceeded further to seize Kepha, Peter. Also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread that he did this. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four squads of soldiers to keep them. Intended to bring them before the people after Passover. They knew what was up. 1 Corinthians 5, 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast. This is Paul, Shaul writing. Now let, let us therefore keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You see? So now he's showing the spiritual nature, but he's keeping them from the spiritual nature side. The argument that any part of the divine law was done away with by the cross or the stake, guess when that came up? Around the 1800s. (laughs) Nobody talked this stuff until the 1800s when the knowledge of the real seventh-day Sabbath was being restored. As the truth spread, that Yahuwah was to be worshipped on the seventh day of the real calendar week, not the first day, ministers that had made, had begin making money from preaching for the first time, started to teach that the divine law was done away with at the quote cross. Prior to that time, no one dared preach such a contradictory message. The divine law cannot be done away with or changed because it is perfect. As we have been through this process, we can see the perfection of how it will help us because it's, because its divine law could not be changed or altered, that Yahuwah, because of this, Yahuwah gave his son to die for us because according to the law, without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions of sins. Hebrews 9.22, thus is fulfilled. I encourage you with all I got to plug that hole up in your sack as I'm doing and to honor these feasts of Yahuwah, I think it'll be a blessing to you. Today for me begins the, the Feast of Tabernacles. We'll go on for the next seven days. And for some of you at are to start tomorrow, I encourage you to go in Leviticus 23 and read exactly what to do because that's what your Savior did. That's what the apostles did. That's what the disciples, that's what the followers did. The real believers, is what they did. So I've now shared this with you. If it's been a help to you, it's been a long, deep one, but I hope this has really helped and and, and been an honor. It's been an honor to be here with you, and I hope that it has done something for your soul. As we spent this time together, I feel a relief because I did not know how I was gonna pull all this together because it's the first time I've taught on this. And I'm honored to have you guys be here with me, those that are watching this live, those that are hearing this live, those that will hear the or watch the recording, thank you for being a part of this. I encourage you to think deep on these things, knowing that I love you, knowing that the, the Father loves you, Yahua loves you, and wants you to be with him, but he's asking us to be obedient, and I encourage you to do so. Y'all have a great one. Bye-bye. Only promote the truth.